0: with me. As we sing and pray, I surrender all, we know that it's only because you have surrendered all for us first. That any prayer, any act in faith, any act of obedience is only out of the grace you have given us. And so teach us what it means to grow deeper and deeper in that grace and in that unity that you give us as your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we began a series on the book, I Am a Church Member. Hopefully you've had a chance to pick up one. There are free copies around, available. And the chapters are short, easy reading. If you haven't had anybody not have one yet that wants one, that, we're asking one per family member. So if you don't have one for a family, does anybody not have one? You don't have one yet. All right. Betsy's the big winner. There are more on the table back there, too. We started chapter one last week of I Am a Church Member talking about what it means to be a part of not just the global church, all the followers of Jesus that the Holy Spirit has drawn to Christ anywhere around the world, no matter where they might be and what they might look like or how they might speak or act, but also what it means to be a part of a local church. Every Christian puts their feet on the ground somewhere on the planet and they gather together. What does that look like? And we talked a little bit about what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. And I talked about different kinds of membership that kind of annoyed me. And when we think about we talked about country club membership and other things we think about, but the Bible talks about membership as a being part of a body, as your fingers are a part of a member of your body. So that's the image the Bible gives us to talk about what it means to be a member of the church. Well, today we're into chapter 2. Chapter 2 is, I will be a unifying church member. There you go. I will be a unifying church member. So if you drive home later today, and as you drive, your eyes will not look at the road. You know, you're trying to drive, but your eyes just don't want to look straight. They want to look down at your feet, at the gas pedal, at the brake pedal. You know, over here. they just won't cooperate. Your eyes just won't look at the road. They want to look at the sky, at the birds, at the, you know, at the side of the road and whatever animals you might drive by in the country. Or w- how's that drive going to go? What happens, right? Your body must work together. Here's another example. You go out to a fancy restaurant, have a nice night out with a loved one or a friend or or by yourself, whatever. You go out for a nice meal and you order a nice juicy steak, rare, that's how my wife likes it, and then your left hand decides on the spot that it's a vegetarian and won't cooperate. (laughs) How do you eat a steak at a fancy restaurant with only your right hand? I mean, if you're desperate and it looks good, you're going to find a way, but it's not going to be pretty, right? (laughs) And that white napkin, that's... For as in one body, Romans tells us, we have many members and the members don't have the same function. We are like that in Christ, yet individually members of it. We will be unifying church members, must work together. But that's something we would all agree to, something we would all check the box on, but it's really hard to live, isn't it? Unity. Unity is easy to talk about, it's easy easy to agree with, and it's easy to think it's a good idea, but it's really hard to live, isn't it? When we get right down to it, unity is hard. Putting the best construction on someone else's words, that's hard at times. Forgiving someone else when you feel hurt by them, that's hard. Not talking bad about someone that, that we're frustrated with, that's hard. Unity is, at times, easy to talk about, very hard to live out. But boy, is it important. As a church, as God's people. But yet there are just so many things that try to divide us, aren't there? There's so many things that try to divide us. And then suddenly, you know, you're at a restaurant trying to eat a, you know, juicy steak with your right hand. You're like, boy, this shouldn't be that way, you know. So many things are trying to divide us, and yet our unity doesn't come from anything smaller than Jesus. Our unity comes from Jesus, and all those things are smaller. And we have to see it that way for us to have true unity as God's people and as a local church called Zion. But man, there are so many things that divide us, aren't there? You might think your family is pretty unified. Hey, we get along, things go well. You might think your, your marriage is pretty unified. Hey, you think things are pretty good between us. You might think this church is unified, yet there are so many things that try to chop us up and divide us up into little groups. Let me explain. Some of you, if I ask you, where's the best place to live around here? Some of you are going to say, Holland, and some of you are going to say, and yet, others of you are thinking, what? Hamilton. Yeah, right. All right, here's another one that divides families and marriages. I'm a Hope grad, so allegiance is all. But in this town, hey, many are grads of both. Uh, this one surely divides us. How many Coke? How many Pepsi? Yeah, fairly even. Okay. Oh, here's another good one. Oh, yes. I just might mention that the M is bigger. I don't mean anything by that. Some of you techie nerds, uh, this divides people in the tech world, doesn't it? What kind of phone do you have? iPhone or Android? If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. And yet here's one that I, those are, those are uh, things we can laugh about and, and joke about, but here's one that probably divides us the most and most emotionally and, and gets really, really, really ugly between people that love each other and people in the church, right? Yeah, there are so many ways and so many forces that try to divide us up as families, as communities, and most certainly as a church. And so the main point I want to make today is this. Our unity in Jesus is more important than anything that would divide us. We don't gather as Michigan fans or Michigan State fans or Coke or Pepsi or Republicans or Democrats. And some of those lines go between, right between your homes and marriages. And that's fine, whatever. If our ultimate unity is in Jesus, all of those things are smaller than that, right? Right? So we can leave those at the door. Those can melt away. You can wear your uh, green shirt under, you know, whatever you wear. That's fine. Our unity in Jesus is far more important than anything else that divides us. And if we can get that in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be unified. You may not have too many things in common with other people here at Zion. That's okay. You share Jesus. That's enough. Jesus has united us. We share one baptism, one gospel, one table, one Lord. You don't have to win the political argument. You don't have to judge your friend for a different opinion. You may not share the same age group or life stage or career path or education. You both cling to the same Savior who bled and died and rose and is coming back for you. That unity is stronger. And when you walk in these doors, the colors that truly unite us are not the red, white, and blue of the American flag. The colors that truly unite us are the red blood of Jesus, the white robe of righteousness he freely gives you by faith, and the blue waters of baptism that cleanse and renew. Those are the ones that unite us. And so if you share nothing else with someone else, somewhere in the world who's a Christian, or in this building, if you share a trust in your crucified and risen Lord and Savior Jesus, that's enough. Our unity in Jesus is more important than anything that would divide us. And there's also a bit of a recipe, I would say, for that unity. The chapter in the book talks a little about it, and if you want to dig even deeper, that's what we're going to look at in Bible study is some of this stuff we kind of have to go over Uh, Briefly in here, we'll dig into deeper in Bible study this morning. What makes this unity possible? What's the recipe? What are some of the actual specific guts that bring this unity in Jesus, makes it possible? Uh, There's two things I think you can boil it down to. The first one is this, the mission of Jesus. So when you look at God's Word and, and Jesus forms His disciples, what's two things He does? At the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, or all the Gospels, He goes... To his disciples and finds you know Peter and Andrew fishing and says, Come and follow me, and I will what make you Yeah. So they're fishing, and he says, Hey, I'll make you real fishing for people. So that's the beginning. Follow me, be a disciple. Come and be a disciple. And I'm gonna make you into a disciple who makes more disciples. You're gonna fish for other people. See at the very end, the last chapter of Matthew, what does Jesus stand and say to his disciples? Go and make disciples. So it begins and ends with Jesus gathering disciples, forming them, and then sending them out to make disciples. And so if we are, as a church, focused on that mission of making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us, if we have that same goal, we're on the same team, we have unity, right? If every decision we make has something to do with making, being a disciple and making disciples, if every decision we make, every dollar we spend, has something to do with making disciples, being disciples, and making disciples, boy, that would unify us, wouldn't it? If the church knows, if, if us as Zion knows know that we are on a mission, that is the mission Jesus gave us, calling us to follow Him, and then going out to make disciples, boy, that gives us real clarity about what we're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. So the first ingredient of this unity, I will be a unifying church member, is knowing what we're here for, the mission of Jesus, to be a disciple as He has called us, and then go and make disciples. That's the first ingredient. The second one comes from Colossians 3. That's our epistle reading. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It goes on. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together, and here's that word, in perfect unity. Second ingredient is forgiveness. Now it says, put on love which binds them. Love is forgiveness, the fruit of forgiveness in action. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's the second ingredient. Forgiveness makes unity possible, doesn't it? Forgiveness creates unity. It's the the glue that keeps us together. Now, just like the word unity, isn't forgiveness something that sounds easy and, and we can agree to in our head, but it's really hard to live, isn't it? It's really hard when somebody has hurt you to forgive. And yet, the biggest obstacle, the biggest threat to our disunity is probably unforgiveness. And the biggest ingredient to our unity is forgiveness. And that's hard. And yet forgiveness is the gospel. When we look at God, do we see a God that owes us based on what we've done? Or do you see a God that is just freely given and freely forgiven? Ephesians 2.8, "...for it is by grace you are saved through faith." It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. When you look in the mirror and know that everything you have is a gift from the pierced hands of Jesus, that changes your heart. And when you look in the mirror and see your own sin and your own self-centeredness, and you see that Jesus died and rose for you and forgives you, that softens your heart to forgive other people. The gospel changes your heart, and you start forgiving. And when you start forgiving, guess what? The church is unified. We stop holding grudges. We don't need to spread gossip. We don't need to get our way about everything. And we realize that we are on a mission to be a disciple and to make more disciples, and that we are forgiven so that we may forgive. So if I were to put today's sermon on one slide, once in a while, I'll do that for you. Here it is. Our unity in Jesus is far more important than anything else that would divide us. And two ingredients of that are the mission He's given us to focus on that and the forgiveness He's given us that we extend to each other. So as we ended last week, I want to end this week, and that is speak. There's a pledge at the end of each chapter. So I am a unifying church member. I want you... you say it with me. I am a church member. I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect pastors, staff, or other church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity For the sake of the gospel, I am a church member. May the peace of Christ that goes beyond our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.